Hello, this is the Crush Monocle Podcast. I am your host, Coop. This is my co-host, John. Yo, what up? <laughs> this is a show where John and I talk about stuff. All the stuff. All of it. Uh, all of it. The good and the bad, mostly the bad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so before we go into our uh, special guests, uh, let's do our normal routine. John, what are you listening to these days? Uh, so... I've been like doing this strange rabbit hole of just finding like these obscure like noise rock bands that don't exist anymore. Mm-hmm. But instead of like plugging that random shit, I think I'll probably talk about an album that's actually come out from a band that's still active. And that <laughs> is the new Cloakroom album called Dissolution Wave. Um, Cloakroom's not the hugest of bands, but I feel yeah. like people at least in our circle know of them or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or at least would be receptive to them. Um, they're maybe their biggest claim to fame, which I don't love or I don't hate it either, is their lead singer guitar player is also the guitar player in the band, the shoegaze band Nothing. Yeah, yeah, I know nothing. Yeah, but um Cloakroom's been around since God, I think like twenty fourteen, maybe sooner. Okay. Not a hundred percent sure, but um they just dropped their latest albums called Dis- Dissolution Wave, and it's it's like kind of slow core somber core but like also really spacey and just super well written the textures are amazing um bobby their bass player is one of the most creative like sincere people i've ever met and kind of interacted with as far as like indie bands and things like that yeah um he was in a band called native that was back on back signed to sergeant house like way back in the day and this is his next project and uh i've met the cloakroom guys just randomly like it shows but you know i'm not pimping their stuff or you know fronting their stuff because i they're friends because they're not i don't know these guys but it's just a really cool band i've loved all their releases all their albums it's just really heavy kind of somber but really smart kind of stuff i don't know um if you're into kind of space rock or even just noise or you know in any i mean it's even like indie people if you're open to like a little bit heavier sound like the new cloakroom album is really really fucking good like it's really good yeah i uh, i think somebody uh at the at the site covered cloakroom yeah that was all, that was all me i anytime cloakroom dropped i <laughs> found some rant i i think the probably one of the more ridiculous things i've ever written was uh i did a review of their last album from the perspective of bill and ted but not bill and ted you know in the 80s bill and ted when they were like in charge of the world like ah, in right. the future <laughs> and i shared it with him and i think they retweeted it i don't think that they got a facebook share but they <laughs> it was so ridiculous i'm surprised they even shared it at all but yeah i mean they were they seemed kind of stoked on it so uh, since then, uh, Bearded Gentleman Music has become quite better at uh, marketing their stuff. <laughs> 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 oh, or not. Um, How about you? What, what you got? Uh, the album I listened to the most this month is uh, called So Bad You Can Taste It by an artist named Elena Royale. Okay. Uh, she's obviously from Nashville. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, if it's a cool it, plug. It's a Nashville plug, most likely. Uh, I'm sorry, but it's legit. Just move uh, down there. You'll be living in like heaven. You should. You'd be in the middle of all of it. Just if I moved to Nashville, Nashville, I probably wouldn't work though. I'd probably be like a homeless person and just goes to shows all the time. <laughs> and, 
and all the bands would feel sorry for me. They're like, oh, it's cool. Let's, yeah. Let's let him in the show. Get him a sandwich. <laughs> he doesn't have a record player, so we can't give him one of our vinyls, but we're going to give him some KFC after the show. <laughs> I, I would probably, that actually don't sound that bad. Uh, <laughs> Atlanta Royale is kind of like throwback uh, 60s style Motown R&B. Oh, cool. Uh, I know we talked about this a few months ago. I'm really getting back into the R&B thing. Yo, I know. I love that about that. Yeah, I love and, that. Now, what's good about this R&B is that it's li- uh, live instruments. It's Ooh, not love it's, a good R&B with a live band. Yes. Yeah, it's not like it's not hip hop influence. It's like straight up Stax records, Motown yeah. records style, um, legit instrumentation R&B, and the music is so freaking good in this album. It's only six songs, so technically it's an EP. Right. But on the vinyl version from Soul Stuff Records, yeah. Uh, on the vinyl version, the flip side is all the same songs instrumental. Oh, cool. So just, just minus the vocals, but you got the light yeah. band kind of doing the thing. That's cool. Yeah, that's how good the, the the music is that like you can tell if they were actually, you know, really trying to push that too. But yeah. the vocals are friggin' awesome. I'm sure this lady has an amazing voice. Yeah. Uh I've since this is the album that I, I received from the label to listen to, but I've I've searched the internet over and listened to every single thing that she's had. Yeah. Uh the album it, it's it's gonna drop um this weekend as recording this uh it's called so bad you can taste it and the artist is elena royale give it a give it a listen yeah i'm i'm for sure checking that out that sounds dope as hell we like uh live instrumentation around here sometimes it's r&b and sometimes it's noise rock yep look look i'll tell you this there's some kick-ass electro stuff but if you tell me that you you're giving me a live drummer in any type of recording i'm i'm all about that shit regardless of <clears throat> excuse me regardless of genre or anything like that so yeah that's the magic ingredient you have to have live drums <laughs> i'm all about that i'm all about that you know this hey john do you know we have a guest today what yes we have a guest uh his name is bj mcdonald uh he is a, a director cinematographer a camera operator he has worked on every single movie ever made um about <laughs> every made <laughs> just the good ones uh just to throw a few out there i mean uh avengers age of ultron ant-man the new top gun uh hatchet three he directed um yeah. uh he also directed the slayer repentless uh trilogy which we covered here at the site yep. um and his latest film is Studio 666, a horror movie starring the Foo Fighters. Yeah. <laughs> Amongst <laughs> other people. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Mr. BJ McDonald. Uh, Woo! Hey, yeah. thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, wow, thanks yeah. for com- thanks for coming along. Um, of first of all, I'm just going to ask you, tell us about Studio 666. What's the sell on this movie? For the people who've never heard of this, what is it? If you want to see the Foo Fighters get into a really sticky situation with uh, demonic forces and things like that, uh, check out Studio Six Six Six. I guess that's I guess that's my my really horrible non prepared pitch. Uh, hey, look, we don't prepare for anything here at the Crush Monocle Podcast. Trust yeah, me. Yeah, perfect. Um, a, a horror movie starring the Foo Fighters. How did it even happen? Like. It's Dave Grohl's idea. I mean, that's 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 where it all kind of originated, where it came from. Because he got an idea when they were recording "Medicine at Midnight," and mm-hmm. and they were recording in this house that was a bit weird and strange and kind of just an odd layout. Right. Dave got an idea; he wanted to make a horror film, and so he reached out to his the producers that do 
you know, that work with him on like Sound City and uh, yeah. Sonic Highways and a lot of the music videos that are also friends of mine who I've done pitches with and things. Mm, right. <clears throat> and he's like, I want to do a horror film, you know, but I need someone to direct it, you know, because it's, you know, it's with the dialogue and things like that. He does, he, he directs his own music videos, but when it comes down to like continuity and, and scenes and things like that, I'm not sure if, if he was, I don't, I mean, I don't know what the reason was really, but right. basically. <laughs> Jim and John said, well, we, you know, BJ, our friend would, you know, give him a chance. Like, like, let's send him the pitch and see what he says. Um, they, they were like, check out the Slayer videos. And Dave was like, of course. Yeah, he's seen those. So yeah. he was pumped about that. And then uh, they sent me his pitch. I basically took his pitch and read it and then kind of went, this is cool, but I think we can kind of dive deeper into the, the story and add more horror elements to it. Um, and that was my whole thing. So I made a whole lookbook, uh, set up a meeting with Dave uh, at the house. Uh, me, Dave, Jim, Rhoda, and uh, John Ramsey, the producers, we all got together and we, we you know, I, I presented this book. I kind of walked Dave through my ideas and what I liked about his ideas. We talked about directors of horror we liked, horror films that we liked. We talked about the vibe of the movie that he was going for and what I would like to go for and how we could intertwine that and make this movie mm. than what it is. Yeah. Um, and from then on, you know, we also had uh, mutual friends with like Tony Gardner, uh, about Tyrion doing the effects, he, who has done a bunch of the Foo Fighters stuff also. So, right. yeah, yeah. I think what also was a good a big factor in this was the fact that we could all kind of be a comfortable family of people knowing each other, and I think that's important for Dave is like knowing that people can kind of gel together and that there's not a, that weirdness of like I don't know this guy, he doesn't know any of these people. How's this guy gonna be? <laughs> yeah. It's just more of like a family friend vibe that like, yeah, like that fun. kind of yeah. told it also, you know. Yeah. And that once we kind of bonded with that, and and you know I got the call back, and Dave was you know they Jim and John were like Dave wants to do it, let's do it, let's start setting it up, and then away we went. That's awesome. Um, we, uh, at, I don't know if you've ever listened to any episodes of the show before, but uh, me and John here are always, we always kind of rip on Dave a lot. Do you? Uh, because he's such a nice guy and like, it's, it's obnoxious how nice he is. Right. Um, and so <laughs> how does that, how is he, wor- how is it working with Dave Grohl? Is he really, really super cool like that? Or is he like really like on rails straight direction? Like no, what's it no. like work with him? He's awesome because he's, he's just, what you see is what you see. I mean, that's Dave. Yeah. Dave like he is right. the nice guy in rock and roll. In all honesty, I mean, um, we're just jealous, basically. Right? We're, <laughs> we want to. I be think we're all jealous, right? Friends uh, with Dave Grohl. I just want to be friends with Dave Grohl, and I'm yeah, not. That's and it, it that's eats it. me up inside. <laughs> no, it, 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 and, and to make it worse is once you start talking to Dave, Dave basically makes you feel like you are that like you guys were friends for forever. You know, yeah. like. Once we and Dave started kind of talking and getting into it, it was just a nice, we had a great working relationship as the other guys in the band too. It just wasn't, you know, sometimes you don't know what you're getting into with band members. Yeah, you don't know what's really sure. going to get. Um, but these guys were so welcoming and so inviting. And even to this day when I talk to them, it's like, hey, what's up, man? It's just it's just <laughs> a friendly, cool vibe. Not like That's that. Awesome. Oh, you guys are this and I'm this dude over here. And you know, it's not like that. And, and yeah. I think that helps a lot. And yes, yeah, so. What yeah. you see with Dave is exactly what you see. He's like the nicest dude in rock. See, that makes <laughs> that makes me hate him even more because I'm still not friends with him. Yeah. I know, yeah. right? Freaking Dave Grohl. Um, so you uh, you shot the, the 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 talk we just talked about it, the Slayer uh, Repentless Kilogy, uh, mm-hmm. whatever people want to call that. I always call it Repentless. Um, what was I, the, I call it, I call it the, the music that I call it the record that never became. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for those, yeah, <laughs> yeah. For, for those of you who don't know, uh, 
uh, BJ directed the three music videos for Repentless, and he left it up into a way that it was going to uh, go into other music videos on their follow-up album to Repentless, but yeah. not. But a few years later, the band actually called it quits, and that ended up being the the last thing. So, spoiler alert: some of the stuff in the, the Repentless film is kind of left on the cliffhanger. Yeah, horribly um, left in the cliffhanger. <laughs> 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 um, but it do? still works. I mean, you know, it's a it's a it's a lesson in. Um, and filmmaking and music videos, uh, concert footage, all this stuff meshed together. Yeah. Uh, what, what, how was it different working with the, the Repentless film to Studio 666? I know you're working with two different bands there, but yeah. what was it? Is there any big differences between working with Slayer or the Foo Fighters? Honestly, you know, Slayer just as, and, and I hope this doesn't ruin the, 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 <laughs> but I feel like they're almost just as teddy bearish. <laughs> I'm going to say I love those guys. Uh, every one of them. I think they're great. Um, you know, the similarity uh, with with their 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 characters and, and who they are uh, mm-hmm. being nice, nice people. Um, that was that was great. That was that was that that was similar. Um, the, the difference, the biggest difference was. And it's, this gets into the logistics of making these things is budgets. Like, honestly, like, yeah. you know, I didn't have much to deal with with the Slayer things. I really those were those things were so like, you know, heart and soul, blood, sweat and tears with yeah. the limited budget that we had. But with this movie, we had more of a budget. We had more time. We actually had a script that was like, you know, we had we, we got to cast actors and we got to rehearse things. We got to really pre-plan stuff because we had the means to do it. And that made a huge difference uh through the whole thing was 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 that you know that was the biggest difference um the slayer things i'm proud of them for what they were and for how like small and how quick we had to do them yeah but i'm really proud that we i finally got to do a movie with the proper people all involved with the proper timing the proper planning and it was the first time i felt like i really had like everything came together really really well and everybody walked away really really happy with what we did that's you know, awesome. cast crew, everyone involved. Cool. Yeah. Um, the, uh, throughout your career, uh, there's this marriage between horror and music. Um, yeah. Uh, with the Foo Fighters, Slayer and all that, uh, even that new brutal music video from Exodus. Uh, yeah. Beatings will continue. Uh, I, I, I haven't even talked about that with anybody, you know? Like, uh, oh. I, okay, if, if for those who haven't seen it, I almost pass out I, when I see the scene where they pull the dude's fingernails off. Um, yeah, yeah. As a little, as a little setup, uh, it, it's it's a police brutality video, or they, they they torture this poor dude who tries to fight back, and they make him watch these movies like A Clockwork Orange. But there's like a few scenes where they peel this dude's fingernails off of pliers. And yeah, it looks so friggin' real, and uh, it's horrifying. Um, yeah, <laughs> how good job! Yeah, <laughs> that sums up uh, BJ McConnell. Um, what what do you take from that marriage between music and movies? I mean, I know there's a lot of film, uh, a lot of filmmakers right now who started music videos, but yeah. this seems to be like a theme with you throughout your entire career. It's weird because it's like it's never something I actually really ever set out to do. Like I wasn't like, I'm going to do music videos and I'm going to do this. I really set out to more be a, a, a film's narrative director. You know, mm-hmm. I just kind of, when, when I started out, I, you know, I moved to LA from, from Florida. Um, 
And I was always like, I'm a direct, 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 but how do I get into the business? I ended up becoming a grip, meeting people, seeing what's going on. And then my focus really kind of shifted away for a while being a camera operator because I thought that yeah. was so amazing. And I was really in intrigued with like how, how it was like, what you see on the film, on the screen is exactly what, uh, I shot. I'm the one that shot all that stuff, mm -hmm. and, I, and, and I got to compose the shots, and I got to be a part of the process. Right. Um, so it was always that way, I, and so I took a long, long, long path of just be operating, and I learned so much from working with other directors. Then I got back in the directing thing. Back to I want to do narrative. Okay, so right. I ended up doing Hatchet Three, and then after that, it just started like the Slayer thing kind of came, and you know I that's where that all really started. Like I just went to nuclear blast and interviewed, they entered, they interviewed a bunch of horror directors and they brought me in and I didn't have a pitch. I had nothing. I might've talked about this already, but I just kind of rolled in and was like, Hey, you know, look, Slayer's music videos. They're all cool. I love the, I love the, I love the one. in when they go to, to the pyramids, I think that's great. <laughs> yeah, um, right. I was like, but I don't, I'd never seen a video that was really a Slayer video. Like to me, and I said, yeah. My selling point was MTV's doesn't show videos anymore. Oh, did I just freeze up all crazy? No, you're good. Well, we got you. We're good. Okay, good. I look like I'm frozen there. Um, <laughs> so I, I basically was like, let's make a video that says Slayer. You know, and long story short, I, I wanted to make a Slayer, like what I see as Slayer. A Slayer mm -hmm. you know? So I ended up oh, getting yeah. me into the music thing, you know. But for me, it wasn't always about like music videos or music. But music drives me for everything that I do. It actually right. is, is what I, you know, I get up in the morning, I put on music. Wherever I drive my car, I'm cranking loud metal or punk <laughs> or yeah. film scores. It's like so weird. People drive up and I'm cranking like Hans Zimmer. Yeah, yeah. It gets you the mindset of like what what you're doing there. It's kind of it's kind of awesome. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, where was I going with this? Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, music, heavy metal movies. Yeah, I, I mean. Scores make the movie. Also, it tells right. the story. Music tells the story, and without right. music in your films, it just can. It, it you know, it's a nice driving force. Yeah. Hey, uh, Aaron, I want to ask something real quick. Yeah, DJ, are those all like clapper boards from your movies in the background? On the on the your your room is super interesting. I could, yeah, they are. There, well, there's a, I have a ton of them. There's everywhere. I, my, my screen's frozen, so I'm trying to see like why. Oh. Sorry, uh, bad, I timing, quitting, bad timing on the question. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, I could, I could pan things around in here because this is my office. Yeah. Um, and if I do that, I think I'm not going to even find myself back in the camera. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, those are. Those are Hatchet, there's Halloween 2, Battle Los Angeles, 31, The Interview, The Conjuring 3. So cool, man. I've got Annabelle 2, Annabelle 3, Halloween, MacGruber, Lonely Island, Connor for uh, the pop star movie, Zombieland 2. I have a ton of, I mean, I just usually take a slate from most yeah. films I've worked on. Just, it's like, so that's cool. my cute thing. It's such yeah. a cool workspace that you've set up. It looks awesome. I yeah. told you he uh, he's worked on every movie ever made. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> a lot of horror films. <laughs> um, well, uh, first of all, I mean, it just sounds completely contrived to say it, but uh, Studio 666 looks friggin' amazing. Yeah. I don't know what the budget is of the movie. Don't want to know. It's none of my business. But... Um, I just watched it on a on a screener, but yeah. uh, it looks no different than any of like the MCU movies or Universal Picture. I mean, this is a it looks gorgeous. It's a fantastic yeah. looking movie. Is there a certain uh, approach you take into shooting film? I mean, do you is it like oh this is a horror movie, so it has to look like a horror movie, or is there a certain vibe you go for in that? Or 
I, I would, well, going back to meeting with Dave, I told Dave, I said, you know, like when he says, you want to make a movie, we're going to make a movie. You know, right. we're going to, this is going to, we're going to, I'm going to take this thing and I'm going to take my experiences and, and, and my, my other, you know, career that I do as a camera operator. Right. Um, right. And I want to make this a real looking film. Cause I think Dave, honestly, in the beginning thought we were just going to get some, some, like a, a small group of people <laughs> run around handheld and make a horror film. <laughs> right. but I didn't, I personally didn't want to do that. Cause I wanted to make sure we set the, the look and image of a real, of a real movie. Right. Um, right. And that goes along with getting the right lenses. You like, I always try to go with Panavision. Just yeah. because it's been really good to me, even the Slayers things that I've done, like the, I always try to pick the right glass um, for the image that you're going to get. And also, it goes with with when you color it at the end. You know, I like to add grain. I like to make it look more 16 millimeter filmish kind of stuff. I like to kind of put texture to the to to what we're doing. Yeah. Um, and it, it boils down to the lighting. You know, like we, it's very specific. If you're going to go with a movie like this, a lot of times people think comedies have to be brightly lit. And well, this I feel like we wanted to keep the serious tone. Yeah, for sure. The movie look dead serious, um, mm-hmm. but let the comedy play itself, you know. Yeah, and that yeah, and, and yeah. that was the way I approached it. I wanted I wanted the serious tone, the serious look, and then let the let the dialogue and the situation be the funny part. Yeah. It uh, in in the film, uh, it's it is funny. It's a very funny funny movie. But uh, I think that the deadpan of it makes it even funnier because yeah. <laughs> like, just like you're saying, like comedies usually have like that certain comedy look, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this looks, you know, I mean, it looks, you know, like, like, like a horror movie, yeah, but, is, yeah. and everything is played so serious until it's not played serious. Yeah. And it, it feels like a, like a backhand every time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and the, and the thing is, I think people are expecting that wink at the camera moment. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, there's a there's a certain way you can go over comedy and kind of yeah. you lose the feel of the film. Yeah. If you start going that way, it, it'll it, it would totally change the feel and the vibe of the movie. I like again. I wanted to keep the look and the, and the tone very serious when we had to, but then like <laughs> you know, obviously it's funny and there's some really ridiculous parts in the film. Yeah, and, and that's what that's the that's I let that those moments, the dialogue and the things that are going on, the situational moments. That's what. That's the comedy of it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's uh, so good. One of my favorite. I, I don't. I don't think I can talk about spoilers. Uh, by the time this comes out, the film will be in theaters. But uh, yeah. one one of the quick things that's actually in the trailer for a second uh, is the people that just show up out of friggin' nowhere. I mean, there's like a scene with you know Lionel Richie that just comes right. out, of, out of nowhere, uh, and that's as yeah. weird as you're thinking. Uh, right off the bat, also in the trailer is that uh, Carrie King from Slayers in it, but he's not Carrie King. He's like the food writers like roadie you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's so not what you're expecting you know yeah. um yeah it's the, the the little appearances by these people at random is hilarious that's that was my one of my favorite things about the movie and it just seems like yeah. it works like it it's yeah it, they actually do seem like those characters it's not a character movie but you know like oh it's carrie king but no it's kruger the road guy mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's, it's like going back to like getting all your friends together you know, I thought it would be funny, you know, when we were talking about who's going to play Krug. And I was like, well, we should get we should get somebody from Slayer since like they're not, they're not doing anything. I was like, well, let's just call Carrie up and see if he wants to do it. And Carrie's yeah. like, oh, hell yeah, man, I'm in. I'll, I'll do it. So, <laughs> he was the guy that I was the least expecting of Slayer that would have done that. So that makes it even funnier. I know, right? It's it's so it's so odd, you know, but it's uh, it's funny because when you talk about these things in the, in the trailer, it's like I always go back to like I was hoping they weren't going to show Lionel Richie because that was one of those Avenger moments that I was. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The, but then I was talking to, to Gary Doberman uh, um, and, and 
you know, we were talking about that whole thing because I just did Salem's Lot with him. Um, yeah. And and he goes, I, I, was like, I told him to say that. I was, yeah, yeah. I was like, the trailer, they, they showed Lionel. He goes, if you have Lionel Richie in the movie, you put him in the trailer. And I was like, <laughs> okay, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Must learn. It's, yeah, it's great. And uh, for the brief, you know, minute that he's in there, it's great. It's one of the best sequences in the movie. Uh, I won't spoil anything. Um, when we we going back to the visuals of the film, um, I I wrote an article at this publication not too long ago about horror films uh, being by directors that are the new auteurs. Mm-hmm. Um, what what do you feel about the the difference between I don't want to get too heavy with you, but movie and film? You know, a lot of these big directors like Scorsese or the or you know they like to crap on like MCU movies and they're like, right. oh, those are you know amusement parks. They're not film. Where do you stand in that? I I stand in a place where I enjoy anything that's artistic and creative and what's coming out and if the story's good I enjoy it. You know, like I'm not a hater of the of the Avengers movies or the Marvel films. I, I enjoy them. Yeah. Uh, the Star Wars movies, I enjoy them. Now, like I mean obviously they're starting to become more and more and they're like, here's now here's the story of Obi-Wan. Now here's the story of Boba Fett, you know, which is fine. Yeah. You know, I don't it, it, to me, it's like I think whoever gets a chance to show their art and 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 tell a story and they get that opportunity because it's not easy to to do this stuff. Um, I I applaud it, you know. No, no matter what it is, I don't think that anyone should you know judge you know a film or a genre right off the bat because they're too high above it. You know what I mean? Like wh- yeah. why why do that? Why don't, you know this this is called entertainment. And we're right. here, point. We're here yeah. to entertain. And so why, you know, why would you even squash anything? You know, yeah, you might not like a movie. People won't like Studio 66. People will love Studio 66. But it's like, hey, it got made and we had a good time doing it. And it's just entertainment. You know, it's having fun. I'm not trying to change the world. I'm just trying to make people happy and have a good time and, and, and get a thrill. Man, it, uh, you need to sit down for a couple hours and turn the world off for a little bit. You know, I right. whether, whether it be yeah. a guy in like, mechanical armor shooting lasers out of his hands or or dave Grohl being possessed by the devil uh you know i'll take either of those i mean i Uh, I really liked your point about the fact that it's just entertainment and there's no reason to like you know place one thing above the other or anything like that so i think people sometimes get to a place where they're you know they 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 just kind of frown upon things that maybe they think it's beneath them i don't know you know like right what is really beneath anybody you know like i don't i don't i don't see that as a thing like i don't that's just me. I, I don't think I, I don't think people are beneath me or above me. I think that everybody's equal. And if you're a dick, then you're a dick. But if you're cool, then you're cool. And that's all that matters to me. I'm yeah. like that's that's where I like that's that's where I'm at with with I all like that. that. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I, uh, I what is your what is your uh, thoughts on the current state of horror? I feel like it's kind of an upswing in a little bit. You know, in a way, there for a while we had a lot of that PG thirteen like mm-hmm. shovel it out to the masses, but things are kind of getting a little bit more brutal. Again, and I know the yeah. A twenty four stuff is really picking up, and I, I really like that. What, yeah. How do you feel about modern horror? I like the A twenty four stuff. I think it's a different tone of horror. I think yeah, you know that's yeah. a, and you got to really enjoy that stuff. And I do enjoy th- those movies, but it's like more of like if you, those those to me feel a little bit more like a, like an artsy kind of like horror film that has yeah. a vibe, that, which Same. I think is rad. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, yeah. The, I haven't seen Scream yet, which I'm bummed about. But I haven't just I got I have I've been staying indoors quite a bit, um, just right. with our current situation in the world. Right, um, makes sense. <laughs> and I mean, I watch so much stuff on like Netflix and and you know pay per view stuff that you know 
I don't know. Like, I think that people, it just depends on what's being made and what's out there. I don't know if it's really, if it went to PG-13 for a long time. I just think there was always stuff that was just kind of like, we had your R and you had your PG-13. And I don't know if it's really making a comeback. I think it's always kind of been there. Right, right. You know, it's just like, the problem I see is that it's so hard to pick out what is out now. You remember like yeah. years ago? Yeah, like oversaturation or whatever. Well, you don't know. Like, I don't know. Yeah. There'll be a, tons of films on Netflix or Hulu or places like that. And until someone says, did you see this movie? If I hadn't seen a trailer for it or something like that, I'll know. And then I'll say, oh, so-and-so said this movie is really cool. I know nothing about it. I'll watch it. <laughs> like, that was amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. you just don't know what you're getting because it's so many things that are out there. Not yeah, that but- it's as much promotion. You know what I mean? And I think that's where a lot of people get lost in the crowd. Yeah, the yeah. way we consume everything is totally different than what it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I used to think I, that used to be my favorite thing. We're probably close in age. I'm almost forty, but um, that used to be my favorite thing would be to walk into the video store and just see all the the videos sure, and be like, sure. "Oh, this yeah. looks sick! I'm going to watch this." Yep. Yeah, it, that's kind of come back with the streaming stuff. I turn on Tubi. Uh, I don't know yeah. if you watch that or not, but it's like a it's a buffet of trash. Right. <laughs> I I love it because like I just see the most garbage posters and like I'm watching this just like how I used to when I was a kid. Yeah, and, and that's the fun thing because like I going back to that like I didn't know what Evil Dead Two was. Right, I didn't know anything right. about it when I was younger, and I remember seeing I remember going to the video store and just seeing Evil Dead Two, and it had the the skeleton face with the eyeball. <laughs> yes, like, yes. I don't know what this is, but I'm going to watch it. And it's yeah, one of the most influential films, like horror films, that I enjoy. You know, I didn't I didn't know how how Sam Raimi, you know, how this was going to actually change my world, as right. he would say. You know, you know, and then like Dark Man, who is Dark Man? You know, and you're, yeah. That cover, yeah. Wow, you know, yeah. I love those. Um. Yeah, it's it's a whole different thing, and like when you, and now it is like you can go through and you see poster art and you kind of scroll through and check it out. I think it's that's our physical media now that that yeah. like now turn into yeah. a, a, a you know a, just a visual media that you can just pick from. You know that's right. your, that's your, your your virtual blockbuster. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we, uh, uh, one of our friends of the show and this publication, uh, uh, Brandon Paris, I think we talked on Twitter about it. He recently did a film called uh, Death Drop Gorgeous. Right. Uh, it's like a slasher movie that takes around a bunch Looks of awesome. dressers and stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you feel? Idea, yeah. yeah. How do you feel about um, like trash horror? Like, is that something that, that you really, really like the people that just go for that type of vibe? Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, I think, again, it goes to, like, what people like and what they're, you know, again, it goes to somebody made it and they actually did it, which is a feat in its own to get these things made nowadays. Yeah, for um, sure. It really yeah. is. And if you get a budget, bravo, you know. But if you don't, we're more accessible now to having cameras and your own home editing gear. You can make a movie for nothing, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, so I applauded yeah. trash horror and things like that. Like, I mean, I grew up watching so many bad horror films that were so <laughs> awesome because they were so bad and i'm not yeah. knocking this guy's movie because he's you know i saw that trailer and i thought that was amazing i didn't seen the movie yet but i was like that's awesome <laughs> you know yeah. and people just t- it's cool when you see people take chances on certain things that maybe not the whole not, not all the masses are really going to enjoy right. but they went ahead and did it and, and and you know bravo to you like that's that's kick ass yeah you know? i mean one thing one thing that i learned from being you know friends with brandon is just how much work goes into making a movie. You know, I'm yeah. not anywhere near the business or anything like that. I just consume and, you know, just watching all the crazy steps that the, he had to go to go through just to get like certain scenes or refilming a scene or anything yep. like that. And they're currently working on like funding for their next movie. And it, 
it's just it's it seems like so much work and I, I i just don't think i had any idea of like how much effort was put into you know making a movie you know it is not easy to make a movie yeah. and even with budgets it's not even easy it's not easy to make movies like it's just like getting that done i don't think people realize you know it's so funny because you know you make something like i'm basically almost two years with studio 666 really right you know like i'm creeping up but the pandemic did not help right um and uh people don't realize how hard it is and people don't realize the situations that you get into. You know, I, I, you know, I, I sometimes see reviewers talking about how so-and-so should have done this or this character should have been that, or I wish this would have happened or why, why does this look like it didn't happen? And you go, yeah, it's because, you know, a thunderstorm rolled in and, and shut the production down for like <laughs> hours. And then they had one hour to shoot that whole sequence. Yeah. You know, and it's just funny how that happens. It's, it's a weird thing, but it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's I had, yeah, I had no idea up until like just kind of brushing up against that type of stuff to realize how much effort yeah. was put into it. Crazy. But you I'm... surround yourself with the people that you trust. Okay. That makes the biggest difference. If you have people that you surround yourself with, the people that you've met on other movies that you say, hey, I'm doing a movie, come over here. You know, to me, it's not so much. Um, it makes it easier to make the movie when you have all the people around you that you know are going to be able to do the job. Right. You know, and you don't have to micromanage or you don't have to freak out about things. It's you, you, you hire all these people to do it. And that makes things a lot easier when you're making a movie. Makes a ton of sense. Yeah. When you yeah. was talking about uh, reviewers, I've kind of uh, made it a point to well, at this publication, we review a lot of different things and I've had some pretty infamous articles where I've really tore into some, <laughs> some artists basically for comedy. Yeah. And Oh, you got to tell them who you tore into at least. Okay. Okay. At one time, I made this article bashing Twenty One Pilots because I don't like the band, and I, it was <laughs> it was more of a parody. I was kind of making fun of being really, really critical, and all these people right. uh, end up taking it serious. I had death threats. I've had a whole bunch of horrible things told to me. It's the fake most Twitter popular. accounts, fake Twitter fake, accounts, fake Twitter account. <laughs> you name it. It was the most heavy, <laughs> but kind of creepy thing. Um, yeah. But in saying that, I've kind of made it a point to not critique anything independent or um right let me look i'll tear into something like dune i don't care that's like 500 billion dollars wherever it takes to make in this thing it's not really a film anymore it is a committee thing but anybody that <laughs> makes something with their own blood sweat and tears i have a hard yeah. time critiquing i'm not a filmmaker right. uh, i've never worked on a film i love yeah. film, but i i've never worked on it but i know how hard these people work right. and yeah um you you kind of answered my question before I asked it, but how do you feel about when people critique these smaller these smaller budget things and these passion projects? You know, how it, does that does that affect you in any way? Or to me, it's I always look at it this way: who's critiquing it? You know what I right. mean? Like, yeah, and it, and that's kind of maybe yeah, that's not fair, maybe it is, but like if someone who's been making movies for a long time and they're being you know they give a little bit of an idea of what's going on. Okay, great. To me, it's like, you know, and no offense if you haven't made a movie, like you said. Right. Um, but it's like, when I find that people haven't gone out and made a movie, but they're telling, they're talking, and it's it's when they get to a tone where they're saying that this this guy should have done this, or, you know, if I was doing this, yeah, I like wouldn't have done what you were just saying. Or, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, I find that kind of like, just, I, at that point, I go, all right, next. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't really, out. I don't take it, I don't take it seriously, because, you know, that's like me trying to say, you know, oh, you know, 
the, my gardener or whatever didn't trim the hedges right. Let me, you know, let me talk about how to do it. I don't trim hedges. I don't know how to do that. You know, I would just massacre stuff. It's just like, you know, people are talking about things that they don't know anything about other than they went to school about films and they researched that or journalism. Fine. Whatever. Great. I love that. That's good. Congrats. Um, but don't bash people that went out and actually made something you know, with their blood, sweat, and tears, and maybe all the money they had. Maybe they charged all their credit cards up, and maybe they put themselves in major debt because they believed in, in a passion art or sure. piece of film that yeah. they did. I, I did Better Luck Tomorrow with Justin Lin, and I'll, I won't forget, he was finishing that movie with credit cards, you know, just like just to get it finished because there was no money. Yeah. Luckily, that movie did awesome, and look where Justin is now. I know? didn't even know you worked on that film. I was the dolly grip <laughs> and the key grip. I love I love that movie. I yeah. uh, I see again. Uh, this goes back to he worked on every, every movie, movie ever made. There you in go. Every movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> earlier, you was talking about how. Um, well, I don't want to get into that part, but you grew up in a Christian. Uh, you went to a Christian school. Um, you, you were kind of sheltered in that kind of way in that environment. Not you weren't sheltered, but in that kind of environment, I had a strong Christian upbringing, but I also yeah. grew up watching splatter movies and listening, you know, Slayer and Exodus are my favorite bands. And um, my parents right. didn't care, you know, as long as I were not murdering people, they didn't yeah. care. Um, what did you yeah. take from that environment? And the, is that anything that you, from that Christian school environment, was that applied to how you approach film or, or even music even? Good or I bad. think it shaped me a lot with music. It's funny because your and I upbringing is almost identical because my parents, they put me in a Christian school because I think my grandparents thought it would be better for me. They weren't necessarily, mm -hmm. my family wasn't like, we're Christians. Yeah. But right, for some right. reason at that time, they felt like if they put me in a private Christian school, that it would be better education, better for me, which in, in my honest opinion was not because I, did, <laughs> I learned more about religion, which is cool. Yeah, <laughs> but it, I, I I had a hard time in high school with math and English and yeah. history, and unless it was Jesus, um, <laughs> you know, I had a hard time like adjusting and catching up to people because the Christian school I went to was like, here's your math subject now, open your Bible, and here's a little bit of English now, open your Bible today, and right. it was like awesome yeah. thing. But my family, like yours, did not care what I watched. They let me go watch whatever, you know, HBO. My, my, my mom and dad were more like, we're going to go see our friends down the street. Here's HBO. See you later. Cool. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that kind of made me a better person in a way because at a younger age, and I'm not, I'm not giving parenting advice. Um, I'm just saying it's like I got to see things that were like violent, but it was done as I knew it was entertainment. Um, and it was it was it made me laugh or it made me scared. And it, I just took it again as just plain entertainment. Yeah. Um, religion with me and the way things, I don't, you know, I don't know if it's really shaped me. It, I, I, I take what I've learned from religion and I appreciate it when I watch movies like Raiders of the Lost Ark or the last crusade or anything that involves kind of some kind of an, of a element of, of a relic or something that comes from that because I, then I kind of get the story. Yeah. Did it. I don't know, man. It's like, that's a, that's a hard thing. I don't know. Like religion, to me, I'm I'm more jaded with religion. I think because right. I feel like, you know, not to get too deep, but I've, I've I've found more people, you know, not as genuine as the people, you know what I mean? Like, and yep. and and I'm not saying it's all, everybody. I I have great friends who are very Christian, and you know, and 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 I'm fine with that. But you know, that's that was me in, in my upbringing. I also grew up in the Bible Belt, so it was a very strange environment. <laughs> there, right? Yeah. 
there was there was a lot of mix of like racism and and just people being hypocritical and things like that. And it's just it was nice to get out of that environment when I left. The the reason why I bring that up in my coverage for uh, the Repentless film, um, I actually made it a pro Christian message of anything being there that it's Slayer, but mm-hmm. I said you know a lot of their lyrical content was more about the ugliness of the world. Right. It really wasn't so much about your religion or anti religion. No. It's just that most people suck. And, yeah, uh, I can I can tell you right now some of the worst people I ever met were some of the people that were in church. Um, <laughs> but you meet them everywhere. It doesn't. It doesn't but you meet them everywhere. Um, but going back to that, I um, I think uh, in your films, even like just even something like Hatchet, um, you have a good understanding of what you're seeing visually on the screen. It does. It's not like it's coming from a a, a mean spirited place right. or uh, a preachy place. Uh, yeah. It's all visual, and I, I, I think just going by how you're talking and you know some of your upbringing and stuff, uh, that's a good way to look at things. Like it, yeah. it wasn't being sheltered; it was more like you come, you see it for what it, what it is, yeah. instead of watching something that's overly violent and right. you know really horribly mean. Uh, I got oh. that; I get that from your films. <laughs> yeah, well, the Slayer video for me was more about becoming your flip, you're flipping a persona of who you used to be. And you know what I mean? It was like, it was, it really started off as the video of a, re- a revenge and getting what you wanted, no matter what, which re- is repentless. Right. But when it got deeper into it, I wanted to tell a story of someone who used to be bad, you know, who used to be a bad person who actually started to wake up and go, you know, this isn't right. You know, falls in love with someone of, of color who, who is totally against what his group used to be, you know, and then all hell breaks loose. Uh, you kind of, I wanted people to feel bad for him, you know, but also, revealing the end in the one video of showing who he was and why it went through that kind of people just go, Whoa, okay. That explains it. You know, he used <laughs> yeah. to be a Nazi, you know, and he bailed and the, and his group and let him, it's just like, you know, I, I wanted to give more, more meaning to that and, and show that, that no matter, even if you are a bad person at some point in time, there's, there's, there's time to, to turn it around. Yeah, for sure. I love that. That's yeah, like seriously, a- that's so good. <laughs> Man, yeah. BJ's hitting us with some truth. I knew I, I was yeah, apprehensive. Sure. I was apprehensive about bringing that part up, but I'm glad I did. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm just talking over myself awesome. with the with the question. Yeah. Um, back to Studio 66. Um, how when when you shoot uh, a you know, horror movie is visual is studio six, six, six. Is there any directors that you, that you kind of subconsciously emulate? Um, I know that I, I can't spoil who's in the movie, but yeah. Uh, yeah. That's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a, but that's a huge influence. That's that, right. that was that, that yeah. that's a huge influence to me. That was like, I, I'll tell you, I saw escape from New York when I was in kindergarten Yeah, and, 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 and I would walk around with that freaking you know, which I just gave away who that was. Yeah. Right. Um, but I would walk John around. Carpenter. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> you know, I would walk around with the theme song in my head as a kid. And yeah, I'm sure. The skin, this is awesome. You know, like I'm going to go to the jungle gyms and fall down and get up. You know, it was like, it was like, but I'd hear the, the song, you know, in my head. Uh, it was hilarious. So, you know, and that was, you know, that was a full circle thing for me when, when we had him to do, you know, write our theme song and also be part of the film. Yeah, it's super cool. And, that, and it, that was like the little kid in me freaked out, you know, like for that sure. for me was one yeah. of my moments. Directors that I, I, you know, I always, I talk about this sometimes with other people. It's like, I, every job I've done over the last 20 something years, I've learned from the best and the worst of the directors. Um, I've seen 
in on all sides. Luckily, lately, I've just been gift like just lucky to be working with such awesome people. And I take the good like things that I see them do, or the or the or the techniques they do, and I and I take that, I collect it, and I keep it in my head. I take I, I from each director, I try to take a little something. It's the best film school that you could ever have. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah. You know, which I feel makes me a better director because I I can watch what works for some people and what doesn't work for some right. people, right. and I can say I'm not going to do that or. Oh man, what he just did there. I just saw what he did. You know, he's talking to that actor and like how that worked out (laughs) and how, you know, he's getting that performance or just the overall set vibe. You know, I, I, I see certain directors that I just go, man, that's exactly what you need to be like. You know, that's, it's an encourage, it's an, it's a really like uplifting thing because then you, you watch how this person's acting around and you watch the crew around him because it only takes a little bit to poison the well. Um, and when you, when you, when you throw in unicorn rainbows and, and you're happy and making everybody have a good time, well, you're going to get results and people are going to be having a blast. But if you drop in the black blood poison into a well of something, <laughs> just, you're yeah. just furious and you're mad all the time and you're not getting everything you want. Even when you're not getting what you want. You still got to try to keep yourself, you know, encouraging and still try to stay positive because it, it really, your action as a leader on the set rubs off on the rest of the crew. So I, so going, not naming all directors like in the question, but I feel as though that's what I've taken, you know, from certain people that I've worked with. When you say that, it makes you want to ask about the craziest like horror stories of like being on set, but I don't, I don't think we should go there. So (laughs) (laughs) one day I'll write a book. (laughs) There you go. I'm buying it. I'm buying it. I'm buying it. Yeah. We already got the pre-order. We're we're, being John here already have it. Mm -hmm. Oh Um, my God. There's plenty of them, but there's plenty of great stories too. It'd be hard to balance it. It'd have to be a. Uh, it'd have to be a 50-50 uh, book and ending with the positive. Yeah, you, for sure. <laughs> you just mentioned that he was working on uh, Salem's Lot. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's coming up. I don't know when that's coming out, but uh, I love that book. I read that book yeah. when I was 10 years old at a Christian school, and they yeah. called my parents when I did that book for a book report. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I played Hangman one time in fourth grade, and I did Escape from New York, which is huge on the on all the lines, and none of the kids get it. And one of the kids didn't get it. The teacher goes, "What is it?" I go, "It's Escape from New York." It's a fourth grader, yeah. and I'll never forget. Like the moment I realized that it wasn't good for me to actually be doing that, a teacher looked at me and she goes, "Your parents let you watch that?" And I was like, right, "Yes." I felt so I, like at that moment, I was like, oh, I guess so. Yeah. Anyways, not, <laughs> yeah. But Salem's Lot, yeah, it's. It's going to be rad. Yeah. Uh, could you tell us anything about that? No. I can't okay. talk about uh, it just because, well, it's another one of those things where it's, yeah. it's post. and for, yeah, for oh, sure, got it. For sure. Yeah, I know. I'd love to tell you all sorts of cool stuff. And it's cool. Uh, I can't well, hey, go into detail. That's good come, enough. Come on, man. You know you're not supposed to ask I'm, those questions. I'm sorry, okay? <laughs> I, I'm human, okay? I have the slate right here. I can, that's, that's why I can, I can show uh, you that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. There yeah, you go. There we go. Yes. yes. Amazing. Uh, okay. <laughs> we go. can edit that you. out. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, your uh, your grandfather was an actor, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, from the from the TV show High Chaparral. Yeah. I know that show because my parents, same ones we're talking about here, love that show. Yeah. Uh, I I just had found that out uh, going through your um, some of your stuff and. Uh, having a relative in the industry especially from back in like the 60s and on yeah. and so forth when it was a much different beast back then yeah. um is did that kind of affect your upbringing in the film industry in any way 100 
that when I was a young kid, my grandfather, uh, when I'd come to California, because I grew up in Florida, yeah, born in California, grew up in Florida, but I'd come back <laughs> to California to spend the summers with my grandparents, and my grandfather would take me to like the studios and introduce me to some of his old friends. Because at that time, when I was at, at that age, he was kind of like tapering off of the acting thing and just right. more enjoying like what he was doing every now and then. He'd take a job. Right. Or we did. We would make road trips and go to like you know Tucson to old Tucson where they did the exteriors and all the stuff outside of High Chaparral. So for me at a young age, seeing this and then knowing that my grandfather did that, like seeing Invaders from Mars, my grandparents showed me that, like he was in the, <laughs> in the original, and seeing that, you know, I was like, wow, this is really kind of a neat industry. So my, you know, we had a video camera, and that's what started me making little short films with my friends. Yeah. Um, you know, my grandfather passed away when I was in fifth grade, and and that was really devastating for me. Um, but my grandmother, for the most part, always kept me kind of creatively going and, and saying, no, oh, no, keep up. You know, we're so proud of you. Keep making these little movies, blah, blah, That's blah. Awesome. You know, and they're, yeah, yeah. And, hell yeah. Cut to me in my late teens, early 20s. I'm in a punk rock band thinking I want to be a rock star, you know, and that falls apart. I have no idea what I'm doing. And I go, you know what? I kind of thought back about it. I was like, why don't I try to make a career out of filmmaking? Because my grandfather did it. So if he could do it, why can't I do it? For sure. And so I decided to call my grandmother and say, this is what I'm thinking. I support you 100%, you know. <laughs> let's, let's, let's get you into a film school. So I, I came to L.A. and went to Los Angeles City College because that's all I could afford. Because all the other schools are way, they're so expensive. But I couldn't afford it. So LACC, City College, affordable. They had a really cool little film program there. I got into that. And then my buddy got me into gripping. And that was it, you know. It's just kind of one of those things where I... I realize that, and a lot of people, I think it's hard for them to grasp that you can make a career in this business. It's, it's. Some people think it's unobtainable, but really and truly, it's easy if you just meet the right people and you go to the places where the films are happening and you say, "I want to do this." You can start at a level and work your way up to whatever. I started as a grip, you know, and that's and and that's that's like that was a great position because they need so many grips, you know. So I was constantly working and getting to go to film sets and learning things as I was doing that, and that was it, you know. But they were a huge influence on me. Yeah, my grandfather was a huge influence, you know, just watching what he did. And he just, oh, again, opened my mind to say, you can do this as a career. That's so cool. That's so awesome. Cool. That's, yeah, uh, that's really very wholesome. <laughs> it, <laughs> is. <laughs> it is. It is, but like in a really cool way. You know yeah. I mean? like, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like I didn't have his help, you know, like he was gone way before, like I tried to get into this. And some people, right. they have relatives that go, oh, let me move you in. And now you're going to do this. Oh, right. Brad. You know, I actually saw what he did and I had to actually go to school for it and then try to figure out, I had to figure it all out. I didn't have an in, you know, but I knew that if he could do it, I could do it. Cause he didn't have an in either. He just got, he was, he used to sing in a band and he, that's how he got discovered. Somebody yeah. saw him sing, and they, and the studio system back then said, you should be in movies. And away he went. <laughs> you have to think he'd be so proud. Like if he was, you know, yeah. if he was still around, like he would be thrilled, yeah. I, I would assume. You know, I think the whole my whole family is pretty much gone. I think they're all stoked for me. Yeah, you know, going to religion, who knows where they are? But yeah. <laughs> I feel as though you know, I feel I, I'll say I feel a warmth. You sure? You know, like for I sure. Know, yeah, proud. You know, that just following in the footsteps of like just being in this business, I think would mean a huge deal for them. My grandmother got to see me. She got to see me start before she passed away. That's so that was, that's, that's awesome. That's amazing, yeah. right in itself. Yeah. Um, yeah. That uh, just going by your career, following your career for for as many years as I I have, uh, I see that you do everything in this really natural progression where you're not out there like forcing yourself down people's throats and everything you've done is just kind of slowly but naturally kind of 
lift it, lift it up. What do you, what are you doing next? Like what, what's your aspirations going forward? You know, I'm reading a bunch of scripts now. This, I will say studio 666 has been amazing for me with this mm-hmm. whole thing. It's like, and now I'm starting to get more and more uh, scripts and things I, you know, and, and I got represented, I got an agent and I got managers and it's been like the doors that like in that world have opened up and it's been really great and they've been awesome. And I, I'm stoked about that. But for me, like, as you said, like it's, I, I kind of just go with the flow and I hope things happen and I really do work hard at it, but I just don't, I'm not on social media plugging myself. I'm not constantly yeah. like, 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 yes, the studio six, six, six stuff, because it's coming out. Of course I'll post stuff about it because I'm excited and it's, you yeah, got to promote sure. it, yeah. but I'm not like one of those people that's constantly like, you got to see me every single day. And I got to tell you what I'm doing every single day. And this is what I'm doing. And this is the set I'm on. And this is the camera <laughs> I'm using this, you know, right. I find myself, I go to work. I do what I love to do. I have a blast doing it, and I hope it all goes great. But I love coming home, and I can hear my wife. She's playing a video game. She's playing Dying Light right now. And <laughs> being able to come home and just be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn it all off and be able to enjoy my life, turn off that life, and live in this life. You know, And, and you have to be able to balance that. Um, it looks like we lost John there for a second. Oh, no. Uh, he'll be back. Okay. Uh, um, you're a metal dude. Uh, you yeah. just said earlier and using a punk man and everything. What are you listening to currently? This is the weird thing. I don't know where it shifted, but I ended up going more metalcore yeah. in a strange way. And and it's like, I don't, it's not so much like the metal bands or, or like, there's tons of them. And I still love a bunch of them, you know, but it's like, I've really been really enjoying metalcore, especially Australian metalcore. It's like, when it comes down to, it, I love that. I love like wh- what's, the, the the instrument playing is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, oh, I know. And yeah. even the like, it, it depends on the metalcore bands, but there, there's a weird theme, like theatrical theme or like mo- like feel to these mo- these scores that I just want to write something uh, like movie wise to that kind of thing. Some movie that's full on double bass action, you know, that just <laughs> is like so awesome. But that's what I've been listening to, like bands like Deadlights, uh, you know, Polaris. Um, I, August Burns Red is really cool. I, I've been digging them. Do you know these guys? Have you listened to any of these guys? Have you listened to a band called Totally Unicorn? No, but it sounds like I need to. <laughs> yeah, they're so they're like a they're kind of a thrash kind of noise like grind Australian band, and they're like they they're just so like tongue in cheek and kind of like they kind of make fun of themselves. You know, like their band pictures of them like in a pool, like with their shirts off. <laughs> oh, I love like, it. Having like umbrella drinks, you know, like stuff like that. Like, I'll check that out. Check them out, sure. Totally Unicorn. They're they're pretty they're pretty cool. Yeah, I will. Yeah. I uh, but I'm always up for any of the any of the metal stuff that's going on. I love Municipal Waste still. Like right now, like those bands, like you know, it's it's like thrash metal, whatever. It's like it, it, I I, lo- I pretty much love it all as long as as long as it you know isn't a bummer. I'm uh, <laughs> at, at this publication. I'm kind of the resident '80s thrash guy. Yeah, you're our thrash yeah. guy for sure. Yeah, for sure. so yeah <laughs> well that's great yeah i mean that's yeah you gotta keep your finger on all the pulses and that's that's a that's probably the one of the my favorite ones you know at all it's, it's full-on metal you know mm-hmm. i like metal and punk though too like i like yeah all oh, that whole thing it's not yeah i don't put myself in the one musical like yep. like category like you know i like all sorts of stuff right. i'm just not a you know i'll say it i'm not a huge like pop rock fan or yeah know, right that, that stuff doesn't you know it, it has to like make me want to just drive fast and and, and just you know it's the energy i think right yeah yeah uh, did you listen to the the latest exodus record it's awesome i thought it was awesome 
<laughs> I think it's great. Yeah. It's one of my favorite albums of the year last year. Really so. good. Yeah, you, yeah. Yeah. It's really good. I was really stoked when Gary called me about doing that video. I was like, this is going to be awesome, man. It's going to be, you know, so we, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun to do, but it was also hard because again, it's, it was pulling favors. Yep. <laughs> pulling <fingernails. laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, so uh, why should everyone go out and see studio 66, uh, six, 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 six. You know, I think, I think if they go to, I, I hope people go see it in theaters. I really do. I, I understand what's going on in the world today. And I understand some people aren't very comfortable with going to theaters and things like that. So it's to each their own. And I'm excited if they get to go to the audience experience and see that. But I'm also know that eventually it's going to come to a place where they can see it in their home and hopefully get a bunch of people together and have a good time. People should see this movie because it's a love of rock and roll. It's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's an homage to horror films. It's, you know, it's it's a band movie that we haven't had in a really long time. Like when we haven't, yeah, we yeah. definitely haven't had a band movie in forever. Yeah, we haven't yeah. done something like that in a while, and that was a big deal. Yeah. Like I wanted to make like, you know, I was like, well, what's what are we gonna do here? Yeah, let's, it's gonna be a band movie. We're gonna do a band movie. You know, let's yeah. let's, let's throw it back to that because it's just hasn't yeah. been in a while. Um, I think it's just all good and fun. You know, it, be it a foo, you just like the Foo Fighters and you hate horror. I think you're, I think you're gonna enjoy the horror that we did. You know, if you're a horror fan and you're not a huge Foo Fighters fan, I think you're gonna really love what the guys do in this movie because it's really fun to watch them. And I think they really pulled off a great performance. You know, and you get yeah. to see who they kind of really are, like you know, right. their personalities. We wrote this, you know, the script to base off each guy's individual personality. Right. So, so random question, like who, I know it's not a contest, but like who surprised you from the Foo Fighters as far as their like acting chops, you know, or like, you know, like did Nate Mendel like kill it or like, you know, what oh, I mean? yeah. like, you know, like they all brought something really amazing to the table, you know, and, and, uh, I mean, like Dave, he always knocks out of the park as you guys have, you know, you guys know, yeah. Um, yeah. It was one of those things where I didn't know what was going to happen because I just didn't right. know, you know, music videos are one thing and having people just act in like a certain way and run from stuff or do whatever. But when you yeah. have to have actual dialogue, you know, my approach was guys just play yourselves. You know, that's the yeah. best way we're going to do it. Cause you're not a character. You are Taylor Hawkins. You are Pat Smear. You're yeah. Mendel, you know, Rami, uh, Chris, yeah. you know, it's like you guys play yourselves. And, and when that came about, they were comfortable and they could actually do it. And there was, we got better stuff out of it because they were, Basically, talking how they would talk to each other in that sort of <laughs> right, situation. Right. So that's that, yeah. was, that was a great thing. I think they all really pulled off a great a great job. For I think people aren't going to expect how good they are at acting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, just personal. Like I'm a bass player, and Nate Mendel's one of my like absolute favorite bass players, like top of the tops. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just excited to kind of like get some more like screen time of him and just kind of you know because you don't get to see his yeah. personality a ton. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Well, that's what's yeah, fun about this movie is because you get to see all the, all the different guys, you know, do, do yeah. their own thing. And I think that's what's great. And it's funny that, like, you know, we had Nate go through all this stuff. It was really great. Yeah. They were so into yeah. it. So that helped a lot, too. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, that's awesome. One one last question, and I have to do this with all the guests and every episode of this podcast. Oh, God. Here you go. Prepare yourself. Oh, no. <laughs> what, do you th- what do you think of the 1995 masterpiece, Showgirls? <laughs> Jeez, I you know that's <laughs> funny because now that I'm thinking about it, I barely remember it, but I just remember it being good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, did I answer that right? I, I, I really, welcome to the club. Yes, okay, good. All right, I, I, I thought it was good. I just I could not tell you anything other than it has uh, what's her face from Saved by the Bell in it. <laughs> yep. yep. 
Yep. That's, yeah, that's yeah. kind of... <laughs> you know, no well, offense by saying what's your face. Uh, hey, look, that's every episode of this podcast. I actually reached out to Elizabeth Berkeley and tried to ask her if I if she would come on the show, but her publicist has not returned my email. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, but I I will say, cinematically speaking, the cinematography oh. in that movie is amazing. Uh, <laughs> it's really good. Everything, everything about that movie that's, is amazing. That's also true. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, the cinematography is definitely good. Uh, I I want to say thank you so much for taking the time uh, to to yes. jump on this show. Uh, where I'm a big fan, uh, just about everything you've done. I mean, I, I know that sounds really really yeah, pretentious to say, oh. but no, I agree. You've killed it just about everything, uh, figuratively and actually, I guess in some in some sense. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if I'm a fan of everything I've ever done. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate it. There are some there are some things I have walked away licking my wounds. Uh, well, that's okay. That's the first part of your book, remember? Yes. You have to tell us, yeah. Oh yeah. There, 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 there be tales to be told. Uh, uh, thank you so much for your time, and uh, I'll send you a link when this gets uh, uploaded. We're going to put it out closer to the when the fil- film drops. Perfect. Uh, everyone listening, go see uh, Studio Six 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 if you can safely. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, man. Uh, thank you, uh, uh, BJ McDonald. Follow him on the Twitter and the Instagrams and uh, go see his movie. Keep the scene alive. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Thank you so much, you guys. I had a really pleasure. It was a blast doing this. Awesome. Oh, thank you. BJ, You're welcome anytime. Ton, Seriously. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. All right. Okay. Cool. Ah, that BJ, such a nice guy. What a nice, what a nice gentleman, <laughs> dude. Honestly, like he he really had some kick ass shit to say, and you know, I'm I'm not as much researched as you were, but like his story about how his grandpa was in the industry and him, you know, kind of getting mm-hmm. into that industry, and then you know, maybe kind of not knowing what to do with his life, and then being like, oh, you know, my my grandfather did this, and you know, this has kind of been in my family, and I I that. I mean, there was a ton of stuff that he said that I thought was awesome, but that was kind of one of the things I took away, you know, was, you know, how, how him being in, you know, being exposed to the industry at a super young age and then, you know, kind of getting back into the industry and then working his way up and stuff like that. I thought, I thought that was a really cool story that he shared. Yeah. I, I uh, love stuff like that. And like, you know, I just think people need to talk more about that because right. that, that organic growth of a, of a filmmaker is, yeah is really really important i don't and i think with the smaller people we we do that kind of stuff with the big guys but yeah. with the smaller uh smaller people not not enough people's doing that so. man i mean he's on the up and up too i mean if you look at his career tra- tra- you know trajectory you know like the grip and then you know the camera and then like getting these like directorial you know projects and stuff like that i mean it's i i I don't, I'm not, you know, now we're kind of friends and acquaintances, but man, I mean, that's a really cool kind of like career path, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a, it's a nice, nice uh, trajectory. Yeah. Um, so I guess uh, that'll do it for this episode. Yep. Um, that was, uh, everyone, please go see the movie safely if you can. If not, wait for it to come out on streaming, whatever, where you don't get sick. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> Studio 666666. Uh, yes. 666666. That's that's the one. Uh, <laughs> this this is uh, Coop and the other guy, <laughs> the other guy John. And this is uh, been the Crush Monocle podcast. Please like and subscribe and smash the like button and give us a 
five star. I don't know, whatever, and, whatever people say it in these things. And tell us what your first wet dream was in the comments. Yes, you have to <laughs> by John's request uh, do that or not, um, <laughs> or do it. <laughs> yep, or don't. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, this is a Crush Monocle podcast, and we will see you on the next one. Peace out. Thanks, everybody. Peace.